Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Black Star Network is East. Hold no punches. A real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. I love y'all. All momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? I'm Reese Colbert, sitting in for Roland, who was in New York. He might be dropping in to tell us what he's up to. In the meantime, here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. More migrants get escorted out of Florida. Some ended up in Martha's Vineyard, while others were dropped off in front of Vice President Kamala Harris's D.C. home. 
Detroit gets a substantial grant to reconnect a black community separated by what's called one of the shortest interstate highways in the country. A new study could explain why more black people get stopped by police for traffic stops than whites. I'll talk to one of the authors of the study. A sexual trafficking victim who killed her rapist must pay the rapist's family restitution. And we'll take a look at why white folks got their panties in a bunch over Disney's The Little Mermaid. It's time to bring the funk on Rolla Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Governor Ron DeSantis continues to spend millions to bus and fly migrants to other, city, other cities. This morning, two busloads of migrants got dropped off in front of Vice President Kamala Harris's home. Wednesday, about 50 migrants unexpectedly arrived by plane on Martha's Vineyard. They had no money, and most, if not all, do not speak English. The chair of Martha's Vineyard Democratic Committee said this. The migrants did not know where they were. I think confused is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, they have no idea where they are. Uh, they were told that they were coming uh, somewhere where there would be jobs and housing waiting for them. Um, and they landed here and no one was here to welcome them. We had no idea they were coming and they were just extremely confused. Um, trying to explain to them where they are. They have no idea where they are. Um, no one speaks English, so we have to get some translators down there. Um, but I would say that, you know, when it was a little, um, you know, it was very unnerving to know that there's uh, a governor in the country that would just uh, traffic human people uh, to another state, just dump them there like garbage. He's just sending the migrants to places that want them. We are not a sanctuary state, and it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. Biden would fly people in the middle of the night, dump them all across this country. There was no warning on any of this. And all those people in D.C. and New York were beating their chests when Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk and they're so upset that this is happening. And it just shows you, you know, their virtue signaling is a fraud. Terry addressed the migrants being shipped off earlier today. 
And when you say there's a legal way of doing this, are you implying that the way it's being done now is illegal? So I'll say this. Um, We've been asked about if we're going to take any legal action. I would refer that to the Department of Justice. But there is a process. There's a process of taking in migrants. There is a process that is in place. And what they are doing is a legal stunt, is a, is a, is a political stunt. Um, and uh, and it's, it's really just disrespectful to humanity. Uh, it is. It doesn't afford them any dignity, what they're doing, when you are abandoning families uh, and children. Uh, in a place where they were told they were going to get housing, in a place where they were told they were going to get jobs, or banning in the DC on the DC streets, uh, it is just cruel. And it's not about uh, it's not about the process. Actually, it's about a political tool, a political stunt uh, that they're moving forward with. The migrants who are being ushered out of Florida are asylum seekers. They have been allowed to stay in this country by the U.S. Customs Border and Protection until their petitions go through the system. Let's go to the panel. Joining us every Thursday is the great Dr. Carr, Department of African American Studies from Howard University, Dr. Jason Nichols, Senior Lecturer from African American Studies Department of University of Maryland College Park, and Michael Imhotep, host of the African American History Network show. Hey, fellas. Thank you for joining us and joining Good us. Good to see you, Thank you. <laughs> How you doing, Queen Reese? Oh, How you doing, sister? <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm actually quite livid about what we just saw. Um, I take really strong objection to calling this a political stunt when we're talking about human beings being trafficked. That's what's happening. This is kidnapping and human trafficking, all for these degenerate governors to get their shits and giggles off at the expense of very vulnerable people. Dr. Carr, start us off with your reaction to these games being played with the lives of real people. Well, yes. Thank you, Reese. And it, it, like I say, it's, it's good to see you in that seat. Uh, you've been busy all week, sis. I don't know how you're doing it. You're the hardest working woman in, in the news business this week. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I enjoy this and I'm encouraged by it in front. Um, because we look at these folks as human because they are human. Andrew DeSantis, that puffer fish, that piece of human garbage, uh, is trying to run for president, as we know. Um, we know that his great-grandmother, Luigi Carlucci, who couldn't read or write, when she showed up at Ellis Island from Italy in 1921 in February, the federal government passed a law that said, we're not letting people who can't read or write in the country, but the law went in effect in May. So, but for several months, we had to worry about this puffer fish because his great-great-grandmother wouldn't have been in the country is for the shelf mouth bastard in, in in Texas. He too is running for president. Oh, Doug Ducey, uh -huh. another racist, you know, in Arizona, lining it up, and 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 going to Massachusetts. There's a there's a Republican governor up there. They don't see anybody in this as a human being. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I'm encouraged by it because this is what they do in the South. This is this country has never been a country for them. These white nationalists. There was a time when they shipped black people mm -hmm. out of the South. Uh, graduate student to go to graduate school. They said you can't go to graduate school in the South. We'll ship you to uh, the Midwest. We'll pay for you to go to school anywhere else. There, they gave one-way bus tickets to black people for decades to send them out. So they're doing what they uh, what they should be doing. And and I say that for this reason, because we've seen this before, because we know they don't. They're no respecters of law, because they lie to these people and tell them their jobs and housing. 
somewhere, which actually might come just close to being a foul of the law, because if they went against their will or they were coerced or they were lied to, it might amount to kidnapping. You know, they are they are trying very desperately, trying very desperately to 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 to, to embrace this notion of hatred as a state issue that they can use to propel themselves to perhaps the presidency. But as Lindsey Graham showed us this week, we all know that that hatred, federalism goes by the board when you're trying to make white nationalism your campaign at the national level, too. So uh, I, I'm encouraged by this because they're going to finally break it, I think. I, I want them to continue to do this because uh, it's white Christian national. It's white, what should I say? It's white theology. It's white nationalist theology. It's not Christianity, as a sign I saw the other day said. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Illinois, the church had a sign that said, of course we're pro-immigrant. We're Christians. Right. Well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's not a Christian. Yeah, he's a Klansman down there in Florida. So keep doing it. Yeah, I, to me, it's demonic. That's what it is. They uh, freaking devil worshipers, if you ask me. And no they're really revealing their lack of humanity. I mean, they've been um, attacking women, for instance. They've been attacking black people. They've been attacking the citizenship of American U.S.-born citizens. So it's no surprise that they would attack the humanity and just the ability to even exist where they are legally allowed to be at this time. But, you know, to your point, Dr. Carr, what are laws if this isn't illegal? I mean, if it's not illegal to, to, to take people who can barely speak English and say, come here on this boat, or on a a boat, but, you know, on this bus, on this plane, and where you go, you'll be, you'll you'll have the opportunity to stay together with your family. There's food, there's there's opportunities. And yet, when they actually land there, they're completely oblivious to what they're really into. Dr. Nichols, I was looking at some footage from Fox News, and they were just giddy with this whole thing. They were reporting on this. Like, this was like... You know, people arriving, you're, you're like people running a marathon and you're waiting to see who's going to pass the finish line first and you're interviewing the people at the end of it. And what was striking for me was just the happiness of the people getting off the bus. I mean, he was greeting, the person on Fox News was greeting people right off the bus. So at that point, they can barely speak English. It hasn't even hit them yet that this is all a trick being pulled on them. The wool is being pulled over their eyes. What, what's your reaction to just the way that these people are being violated? Yeah, well, I'm in agreement with, with you and Dr. Carr in the, in the sense that it, it's clear that we're playing, they were playing games with people's lives. And we have to understand, in terms of a secure border, the last time we had a major surge was in 2019. Uh, You didn't hear Ron DeSantis or any of these people speak up at that time, except to say that we need a wall. They allegedly built some something and nothing happened. It didn't really fix anything. Um, And we've seen that a lot of the things that they've talked about and that they try to do uh, have been ineffective. Instead of trying to come up with solutions, which uh, I think this administration while they're not perfect, this administration has tried to come up with solutions. They've uh, talked to the other nations. Mexico has devoted about $1.1 billion uh, to help with the, the issues on our border. Uh, Vice President Harris rightly went down to address the root causes uh, that we've seen in terms of climate change and other things in Central American countries. 
uh, and stabilize, help stabilize some of those places so that we don't have these issues. But we have to also understand that uh, this is a legal process by which these people are coming in. And the big part is that they're being misled. Mm -hmm. They're being told these things. And as a matter of fact, when in Texas, when they were pulling these buses out to begin with, at first, they were stopping in Georgia, and people were getting off the bus in Georgia. And all of a sudden, people complained. The Republicans started to complain, so they changed the routes, uh, you know, uh, that the buses were taking from Texas to get to New York and to get to other places. It's really disgusting and despicable. And uh, Ron DeSantis is pretty much a pick-me politician, so he's pretty much doing anything to get people's attention. This whole uh, thing about voter integrity, which we know is a joke, and those 20 people are all going to get off because it's illegal, but he doesn't what he's doing, but he doesn't care. It's all about the spectacle, and it doesn't matter that these are vulnerable people, as you said, U.S.-born people, or whether they're other people uh, who were born outside of the United States. As long as he gets a headline and he gets mentioned on Fox and Friends, and he can start to propel himself on the national stage, that's pretty much all that matters to him. And this is really troubling when we're talking about people with babies in their arms, uh, that we are doing that. Instead of trying to find solutions and saying, hey, I've got a solution for the, what's going on on the border, they're just shipping people and hoping they get news coverage. It's despicable and disgusting. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, if Ron DeSantis is looking for a headline, here's one for you. Ron DeSantis is a piece of shit. That should be a headline. <laughs> Greg Abbott is a piece of shit. There's another headline for you. If you want headlines, those should be the headlines. Lock them up. How about those for some damn headlines? Because I am sick of the way that this is being covered on the media, as though this is just another part of political gangsmanship of people just trying to angle for 2024 when this has real dire consequences. You know, Michael, mm -hmm. Dr. Nichols brings up the point about uh, the, the border being secure. In my judgment, and I think that there's a lot that we can, as people of conscience, quibble with about the, the American immigration system and, and how inhumane it is. You know, we saw the disgusting uh, treatment of Haiti, of Haitian uh, refugees. They're getting shipped back before they can even touch down. But if we're just talking strictly in terms of a security basis, in my view, Security looks like what we have in the sense of people try to cross the border, they're caught. I don't like to use that word, but let's just talk about it in strictly security senses. They're caught, they go through an orderly process. It's not always the most pleasant process for them, but it is orderly. They are put in the system to have their case adjudicated. That, to me, right. is security. What we're seeing these, these Republicans do that's the opposite of security. They're actually creating the chaos. To me, an insecure border would be having, you know, a dozen or so migrants pop up in a random city like, hey, y'all, anybody got anything for us? We here now. Like, that's not a secure border. So, I mean, what's, what's your take on just the way that these folks have just been plopped in here and the kind of chaos that it's actually causing for not just the people that are experiencing this injustice, but also for the states and the cities that have to react to this influx of people who don't even know how to fend for themselves at this point. Right. So 
you know, it, there's a number of different things going on, and there's a deep historical context to this as well, even before Texas and Florida become states in the union. Um, number okay. one, Florida needs to be desanitized, number one. Mm. Uh, they're both up for re-election uh, in November 2022. Bo both need to be voted out of office and taken out of power. And this, this is what happens when you don't have policies mm. to, like, really benefit people. The, and they focus on the cruelty. Yeah. They're, they're both trying to out-Trump Trump. They focus on the cruelty. So um, you look at uh, DeSantis in Florida, and what's, and what's really interesting, and, and, and Greg may want to weigh in on, on this, you know, at one time, Florida was free territory, and runaway African slaves ran into Florida to get away from the white supremacists. Now you got the white supremacists who are taking people who are immigrating from these other countries. And some of these other countries, to be quite frankly, were conquered by Christopher Columbus and have never been the same. They, they, they've they been screwed up for over 500 years or so. They've never been the same from what's happened. The colonization has happened to them. So we see this, 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 this is uh, like part of the epitome of white fear, which mm -hmm. is Roland's book. Yeah. This is, this is the fear of the browning of America and what happens when you have white supremacists who have power to inflict harm upon them, but they're trying to do this for votes. So people have to be smarter than this. These people have to be taken out of office. Possibly, if, if, if the evidence is there, they can be prosecuted by the Department of Justice as well. I don't know if this will qualify as kidnapping, don't have all the details, possibly could. But, um, you know, and then you have uh, Governor Greg Abbott out of Texas and he sent, uh, if I remember correctly, he sent uh, migrants uh, to, yeah, he sent them to Washington, D.C. Maria Bowser had to declare a state of emergency. At, the, at that time, this was a couple of weeks ago, he had spent $12 million deporting uh, uh, migrants. But this is the same guy who said he was going to eliminate rape. Right. How's that going? Right. I haven't heard anything about him eliminating rape. <laughs> so... <laughs> This There's is what still... happens when you have crazy, the wrong people in office. You right. got you to vote and take these people out of power. Yes. Well, speaking of voting in midterms, I have two books that actually expose <laughs> how much a piece of shit these people are. But not only that, <laughs> um, what they're really up to, what they've done already, what they're planning for the next term. So go ahead and pick that up, Long and Short of a Guide to the 2022 Midterms. <laughs> the yes. Must Watch Racist. And the radical Republicans, if you really want to see me drag them. But anyway, with that uh, being said, we have to head to a break. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. 
We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Eric Nolan. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We've all known that black motorists get stopped more often than whites. Now there's a new study that may explain why. Joining me from Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's one of the authors of Measuring Racial and Ethnic Disparities in Traffic Enforcement with Large-Scale Telematics Data, PhD student Johan Gabler. Johan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I had a chance to read the Washington Post article on your study, and it was really fascinating. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is really just about how the the uh, disparities are not based on the behavior of the drivers, but based on how they're targeting certain areas um, for traffic enforcement. So for the, for the viewers who haven't heard anything about your study, can you just give us a, a, an overview of what you found? Yeah. Thank you very much, Risi. First of all, I, you know, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so usually when researchers try to study these kinds of things, the only way to tell after the fact whether someone was speeding is if they got a traffic ticket. And so that means that it's really hard to say anything at all about the people who were speeding but didn't get a ticket. Um, so if all you have are speeding tickets, you know, you can't really calculate things like whether police are giving a lower percentage of white speeders tickets than black speeders. So what we were able to do that was really novel is uh, we were able to look at where and when people were speeding, regardless of whether they got a ticket. And what we found is that drivers were speeding the same amount, on average, in neighborhoods where most of the residents were black as neighborhoods where most of the residents were white. But the same thing wasn't true for speeding tickets. So the number of tickets police were issuing for speeding varied quite a bit between different neighborhoods. And when we looked into the data, as you were saying, a big driver of this seemed to be speed traps. So, you know, police weren't enforcing speeding evenly all over the city. Instead, speeding enforcement was concentrated on a few small areas. So, you know, something like 50% to 75%, excuse me, of all the tickets that were being issued were being issued in places where only about 10% of the city residents actually live. And so, when, you know, where police put these speed traps is making a huge difference. In some cities, these speed traps seem to actually be more concentrated in white neighborhoods. But in, in most of the cities we looked at, the speed traps were mostly located in areas with more black and Hispanic uh, residents. And so even though people living in different communities seem to speed more or less the same amount, some of those communities were bearing a much heavier burden in the form of more speeding tickets. You know, one, one of the things that I found was interesting, I mean, like you said, most of the cities, the enforcement levels in terms of the speed traps were higher in areas that had uh, less, had uh, less white people. Houston was the um, different, the, the one city or one of the few cities that was different. I have a theory as to why that is, but I'm curious when you found that information, did you have information on the racial demographics of the people stopped? In Houston, and can you just explain for the viewers what the Houston findings that you found were? Yeah, so Houston was one of the cities that I mentioned where we seem to find that actually 
uh, a larger number of white drivers were being pulled over for speeding. Um, and, you know, initially we were quite surprised by that result. Um, but ultimately, it really seemed to be a function of, you know, where the speeding traps were being placed. And so, you know, we don't always know exactly why uh, police departments are choosing to place speeding traps in certain areas versus others. But, um, you know, in this particular case, it seems that they made some decisions about where they were going to enforce speeding that ended up having this disproportionate effect. That was somewhat unusual among the cities we looked at. So can you clarify, because so you're saying that white drivers were, um, were, were, were ticketed at a higher rate in Houston, not just white areas were enforced. Can you clarify that part for me? Yeah, so we don't know directly. Um, so we were, we were looking, as you mentioned, this is a good point, we were looking at the demographics of certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, and we do know the, the demographics of the people who were pulled over. And so, you know, there's a pretty strong correlation between um, the race of people who are being pulled over in certain neighborhoods and the race of people who lived in those neighborhoods. So based on that data, uh, it seems like probably the, uh, the race of the drivers is the same as the race of the people in those neighborhoods. But, you know, you can drive anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, people could be, you know, getting pulled over in areas that are different from where they live. Because, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more black people still getting pulled over in that Houston area, maybe as a deterrence uh, method or something. But I know that's not your finding. That's just my hypothesizing. Um, the one thing I, I did want to ask you, though, too, is, you know, when you talk about speed traps, did you look at all into... Um, like the, the cameras that they put up, those kind of digital traps, or was it strictly looking at police activity in these areas? Yeah, so we were just looking at, you know, actual um, stops, traffic stops. And, you know, I think that that's a, it's a really important point, actually, because, you know, one of the sort of recommendations that we have for policymakers is, you know, even these sort of seemingly small decisions about where you put speeding traps can have these big unintended consequences in terms of, the disparities that arise. And so, you know, traffic safety is really important, but, uh, you know, there are other ways to keep people from speeding that don't lead to these kinds of disparities and don't have the kinds of, you know, potentially really negative consequences of traffic stops. So, you know, one obvious option is to police more evenly across the city uh, instead of relying on a small number of speed traps. Um, but another, you know, better option is to use, at least in my opinion, is to use things like speed bumps and roundabouts and other ways of ensuring that drivers are driving safely that don't necessitate pulling anybody over at all. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I did notice in the article you talked about these more deterrent factors um, that aren't involving, that don't involve police activity. And when you mentioned speed bumps, I, I, a good friend of mine, she had to jump through hoops and petition her uh, neighbors and stuff like that just to get a speed bump on the street. So I would be interested to see if there are any kind of disparities in that kind of activity of where speed bumps get approved and how many hoops people have to jump through. But I'm not trying to put more work on you. No, no, I think that's a really interesting question and I would love to know the, the answer to that as well. I think that's really important. Well, I have some really smart people on the panel too. And so <laughs> I'm gonna give them the opportunity to ask a question, starting with Dr. Carr. Oh, thank you, Reese. Uh, I was enjoying that conversation, and thank you for your work, uh, Johan, you and your colleagues. Just a quick question. You, you write that you don't know why they're setting the traps where they are and that perhaps even some of this is unintentional. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about 
intentionality as it correlates with race. And because once race is factored in, it seems to me that the Houston uh, outlier is pretty, maybe very well explained by the fact that there's a black mayor who used to be a policeman, there's a black police chief, uh, the, the, the city is two-thirds non-white, and uh, the police force, the biggest cluster of police are black. So it seems to me that uh, people might put traps in places to get some of them white minorities, whereas in those other cities, <laughs> I mean, it's very intentional where people put put uh, put traps. So any thoughts about the use, uh, kind of juxtaposing race against the intentionality as to where these traps are set? Yeah, thank you. That's a really interesting question. You know, in, in our study, as you said, we weren't really able to tell if officers were intentionally discriminating or not. Um, but, you know, it's possible that the conclusions of our study, so that we were seeing police pulling over more people for speeding in black neighborhoods, even though those drivers weren't actually speeding more in those neighborhoods, could be happening just because there are more speed traps in those neighborhoods. But as you say, you know, that really just moves the problem up a level. So if that's the case, then I think policymakers really need to be asking why there are more speed traps in those neighborhoods and to be thinking about, you know, whether there are better ways to promote traffic safety. Let me ask you a quick question. I, this is going to be a, a very basic question, but how do you define speed traps exactly? Is it a cop waiting in the cut to, you know, to, um, is it a cop waiting in the cup to try to get people or what exactly does that mean in terms of speed traps? Yeah. So when I'm talking about speed traps, um, what I mean is that there are these very small, you know, areas, maybe like a block or something like that, where you see a very, very, very large number of stops. And so, you know, I don't know if that is specifically because, say, there's like a policy in the police department that says that, you know, we're going to patrol this specific intersection, or if it's just something that happens sort of more kind of organically. Um, but when I talk about speed traps, what I, what I mean is just these pockets where there's extremely high enforcement compared to, you know, other places. So if you're just driving down a random road, you know, it's not all that likely that you'll get pulled over. But, you know, I think a lot of people know this about, like, their own hometowns. There are certain places where, you know, if you're speeding on this particular road or as you come around this turn, there's a high likelihood that you're going to get a ticket versus, you know, on a different part in a different area or a different street, you know, there's not really anyone sort of patrolling for speeding there. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Michael, do you have a question for Johan? Yeah, Johan, uh, thanks for the uh, study in... You know, studies like this are really important because it documents what we as African-Americans already think. Um, and policy has to be crafted around the evidence. Uh, have you uh, so far uh, shared your findings with any of these uh, police departments that you um, uh, looked at the research on and uh, to... to, to um, find out from them why it is what it is. And if you if you haven't shared it uh, with any of the police departments, do you have any plans to? Yeah, so we haven't shared these results yet. You know, they only became public very recently. But um, right. I think that, you know, something that we really would like to do is to try to work with these departments to try to craft better policy that doesn't lead to these negative out outcomes like big disparities in who's getting pulled over. Um, and so if there were departments that you know, we're looking to do something like that. I think that would be uh, an area that we're really excited to do to do work in. You know, and our, our hope for this research ultimately is that it will help drive policy change and lead to better traffic enforcement practices, not just, you know, to 
for people to read it and then just kind of move on and keep doing things exactly the way they've always been doing them. Right, because there's a financial component to this, which is really important, because if you get a speeding ticket, now you have to go to court, you have to pay it, you get points on your insurance, points on your record, increase in insurance, things like this. Uh, if you get stopped, you may have expired tags, you may be driving without a, on a suspended license. So now you're compounding these things, and which cause more financial harm to many African-Americans disproportionately. So there's a huge financial component to this as well. Yeah, I think that that's really true. And, you know, there are other components even just beyond, you know, the, obviously there's the risk involved in being pulled over in the first place, which, you know, can, in, in the most serious cases, can, can lead to, like, really terrible things happening. But also, right. you know, if you get a speeding ticket, that doesn't just, you don't just have to pay the ticket. That, now this is going to affect your insurance, too. You know, right. there are all of these carry on consequences. And so if there are ways to, you know, to reduce speeding and to, and to keep the roads safe that don't lead to these negative consequences, I think that those are avenues that are really important to pursue. Things like, you know, putting in speed bumps, as we were discussing a moment ago, and putting in roundabouts right. and, and sort of trying to, you know, maintain traffic safety in a way that that is not creating these, you know, great burdens, as you said. Exactly. Thank you. I know, for me, I would be looking at your map to figure out where not to drive down. <laughs> if, if, if they're that obvious, then, hey, let's obviously avoid those particular intersections. I mean, I'm not suggesting people, you know, speed. I'm just saying. Maybe Reece, that, comes, that comes with the race. You know, it's in our DNA. We always know where the pedal rollers are. I, well, I can't speak for all the folks, but I know, at least as a black man, I know these two brothers, we always know where the police are at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> Dr. Nichols, uh, do you have a question or comment for Johan? Yes, absolutely. So first off, Johan, I think uh, Dr. Carr and I will, will probably both agree and second this. Keep publishing. You know, keep publishing, keep publishing. Um, the other thing is, I was wondering. Um, so, oh, I do have a comment, and actually, you know, just to to kind of counter um, something, it's the first time. Mark it on your calendars. I think I've, I I kind of disagree with something Dr. Carr said. Usually, I'm <laughs> getting a sore neck from nodding my head at everything Dr. Carr ever says. Wow. But I'm gonna disagree wow. a little bit. Because uh, coming from the Baltimore area and the Philadelphia area, we've had black mayors, we've had black police chiefs, we've had all of that, and, ma and majority of color police officers, and still had these very same issues. If you paid attention to um, uh, the Gun Trace Task Force in Baltimore, I was listening to an interview with uh, the main guy, Wayne Jenkins, who's a white man. Uh, surprised me that there's a white man named Wayne Jenkins. But uh, Wayne Jenkins said, you know, oh, this wasn't racial. We only policed in black neighborhoods. And it was like, you really don't have, you really have some cognitive dissonance there. Um, so I definitely think that it's, you know, that sometimes this is systemic and it doesn't matter the color of the, of the mayor, the police chief. Uh, it seems like it's it, the way we police you know, we've got an issue with it nationwide. Um, now, as far as the research that you were doing, I'm wondering if, uh, because I had read some other research before that says that police officers oftentimes pull over people during the daytime. That's when the biggest racial disparity is because they can see in the car. 
Um, and I'm wondering if your research kind of looked at a little bit of that. And my other question is, uh, do you think, and, and I know, you know, as a researcher, you try not to, you know, kind of pontificate on these things, but do you think that some of these stops are in order to get uh, reasonable suspicion to search uh, black vehicles uh, and, and, you know, black people who are, who are drivers? Yeah, thank you. Those are really interesting and important questions. Um, so, in, you know, in this study, we weren't able to look at it, but the, the study that you're talking about, or there have been some in, that do this, what's sometimes called the veil of darkness test, where you, you know, compare the rates of being pulled, people being pulled over in the daytime when officers can see drivers race more easily compared to the nighttime when they can't. Um, and, it, you know, it's true that you do see differences. Right. So, you know, this is not a study that I've worked on, but some of the co-authors, um, other people like Shark Goyle, who worked on this study with me, um, have, you know, done these studies in the past. And they do find what you're saying, which is that, you know, in the daytime, uh, you see larger racial disparities than uh, what you see at nighttime. Um, and um, I'm sorry, can you repeat your second question? Uh, do you think that this is some of these stops in these communities uh, are in order to produce uh, reasonable suspicion or probable cause to make searches. Yeah, so it, the same the same study, in fact, which is the study that we got our data on stops from, um, you know, looked at a related issue, which is, you know, they tried to look at um, how stops were happening before and after marijuana was legalized in, in a number of states. And what they saw is that, uh, the, you know, the number of, st of stops... Um, and searches that occurred kind of went down once, uh, you know, this was no longer available as a, as a pretext for um, searching cars. So, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much since this isn't what I uh, specifically was working on in this study, but I think certainly there is evidence uh, that's pointing to, uh, you know, in the scientific literature that's pointing to the things that you're, that you're talking about here. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in that information as well, because I think for me, like I started off the, the segment saying, it's important to have data. We know that we, as black folks, we aren't that much, you know, more criminal or are likely to speed or do all these other things. I think speeding is human nature. We all got some place to be, like, you know, yesterday. So it's important to have data to back that up, though, so that it can turn into policy prescriptions that help hopefully in theory make things more equitable. But I, I am definitely, you know, curious to see data about, well, even though, I, let me just rewind a little bit. Your original point about if you're only looking at the traffic tickets, you're gonna get skewed data. So if you're only looking at the, what I was thinking, if you're only looking at the arrest data that result from the uh, traffic stops, it makes it seem like perhaps black people have a prior, I have more likely to have things on them. Whereas it might be the case that cops are more likely to look for things as opposed to, you know, having a higher rate of things. So I think there's so many things that you can do to build on or, or marry this um, data up with. Um, how can people follow you, get more information uh, with you and your co-authors and see more about this study that you've done? Yeah, so you can find the, uh, the study and all of the other research that I've done uh, on my website and also on Twitter. Um, and, you know, we hope to keep doing more work in this vein. And uh, we think it's really important. And, you know, and as you mentioned, 
Um, one of the things that we looked at at the end of our study is we said, well, you know, we can't measure, you know, we can measure speeding, but we can't measure every kind of thing that people are pulled over. But, you know, if a similar pattern holds across the board, then, you know, there's, you know, police departments should be sort of evaluating and thinking really carefully about whether the disparities that you see, which are, you know, very large, not just for speeding, but for, you know, things like pulling people over for broken taillights and, you know, similar issues really are justified by, you know, like the underlying differences in people sort of breaking, you know, the um, traffic laws, or if there are other reasons for these differences. And if there are things they can do that accomplish the same, you know, traffic safety goals and public safety goals that don't lead to these kinds of disparities. Yes, thank you so much for this important work you and your co-authors are doing. Thank you for joining us, Johan. Yes, thank you very much for having me. All right, we're going to head to a break. We'll be right back with more of Rolla Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Can you believe the nerve of these Republicans? They only want to block progress for our community. They talk about cutting Medicare and Social Security. They played politics with veterans' health care. They voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and funding for our HBCUs and against lowering prescription drug costs for our seniors. These Republicans keep trying hard to stand in the way, but President Biden, Vice President Harris, and Democrats won't let them. They are delivering for us. The Democratic National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. My name is Latoya Luckett. Yo, it's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. From the 1950s into the 1970s, highways built in U.S. cities profoundly wounded black communities. Many of these thoroughfares were a part of the federally funded system of highways that went through black communities, displacing thriving black businesses and homes. Now, a federal grant will rectify what the construction of one of the shortest signed interstates Detroit's I-375 did to black neighborhoods like Black Bottom and Paradise Valley 60 years ago. 
Today, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg announced a $1 million program named Resurrecting Communities for the City of Detroit for its long-awaited plan to destroy the depressed freeway. Buttigieg says to fix a problem, we have to face and accept what caused it. Sometimes fixing the damn roads means facing the repercussions of how the roads were originally built, who was included in that process and who was not, who was empowered and who was displaced. And when a generation's old piece of infrastructure comes to the end of its useful life, it requires us to decide in our time whether we're just going to put things back exactly as they were or whether we're going to build back better. And we know that some of the planners and politicians behind decisions in the past built roads like this one through the heart of vibrant, populated communities, sometimes even in an effort to reinforce segregation, sometimes simply because the people who lived there did not have the power to resist and force change. Here in Detroit, when I-375 was built in 1964, they literally bulldozed the neighborhoods of Black Bottom and Paradise Valley, displacing so many mostly black Detroiters. And now this freeway, generation later, serves to divide communities, primarily communities of color and low-income communities, from the central business district, the recreational areas and other great assets downtown. And the freeway design is actually contributing to worse congestion and more traffic crashes on roads nearby. The purpose of transportation is to connect. But we have seen examples in many communities, including here, where an infrastructure decision serves to divide. And we raise this issue not to wallow in it, but to challenge ourselves to do something about it. And now we are putting our money where our mouth is. Governor Whitner, Mayor Duggan, local advocates, the congressional delegation have supported the, uh, the application for federal grant funding to fix this and, and then did uh, exactly what good advocates should do, which is kept pounding on the door, explaining the difference that this would make in the community and uh, making sure that this got uh, every full and fair consideration in the process. And, and the result of that is that today I'm delighted to officially announce that the Depart Department of Transportation is awarding $100 million to transform I-375 to reunite this part of Detroit to a connected, thriving community. This is a very big deal, a long time in the making. And it's going to mean that residents can move more quickly, more easily get between their neighborhoods and opportunities, more safely walk, bike, and drive in their city. The highway removal could begin as soon as 2025, two years earlier than expected, with construction finished by 2028. All right, let's go to the panel. Uh, I have so many historians and uh, professors on this one, so I'm going to say any, many, money. Michael, you go first yeah. with your reaction to this announcement and just put it for in historic uh, context for us in terms of what kind of damage was done to black communities under the pretext of expanding infrastructure? Well, you know, Secretary Buttigieg was here in Detroit today. President Joe Biden was here in Detroit at the North American Auto Show yesterday. I live about four blocks from I-375. I live in the 
in the area that, that was Black Bottom, Black Bottom in an, an adjacent um, community, uh, which was the entertainment uh, and business district, was called Paradise Valley. And uh, I-375 comes through in 1964, and it's part of the U.S. Interstate Highway Acts of uh, 1952 and 1956 that drive about 41,000 miles of U.S. interstate highways all, all across the country. They run through about 1,600 African-American communities, wiping out, wiping out homes, wiping out businesses. Uh, they're going to displace about 475,000 homes nationwide, which is about 1 million people. Um, here in um, Detroit, when you had the 1967 rebellion uh, at 12th and Claremont, which is renamed, 12th Street was renamed uh, Rosa Parks Boulevard, um, a lot of those African-Americans that were there were originally in Black Bottom and got displaced from Black Bottom, then go into the uh, 12th and Claremont area. So when the rebellion jumps off, they were already upset. But th these these expressways, this was all part post-World War II, and you have the deindustrialization of the inner cities taking place as the suburbs are being built. White people are getting homes built, a lot of them getting homes built financed by the GI Bill getting uh, low-interest loans on homes, and a lot of African-American World War II veterans couldn't take advantage of those uh, of benefits that they earned. And then they're taking the infrastructure from the inner city, the factories and things like this, moving them out to the suburbs, okay? And then they're running the expressways uh, from the downtown business district out to the newly formed suburbs, wiping out African-American communities. And lastly, uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, Buffalo, New York, where the uh, top supermarket is, okay? That was a, that area, that African-American area was an area that was harmed by expressways uh, running through there as well. So uh, this is all part of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that only 19 Republicans in the Senate voted for and only 14 Republicans in the House voted for. for. Uh, so this is an example of how elections have consequences. And uh, I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, but I sure as hell I'm not stupid. <laughs> and the Democrats are really the only ones who are talking about repairing this damage. Republicans are silent on this, and many of them don't want to even acknowledge that the damage has happened in the first place. Ooh, class is in session. Um, <laughs> I, I want to start with you just a little bit longer, though, since you are in the area. What does this mean for residents now? I mean, is this a priority for them? Is this something that you think helps moves the needle with people really connecting the dots about how it matters, like you said, elections have consequences. And for too long, a lot of our communities have been left behind when it comes mm -hmm. to these kind of packages and these kind of large initiatives. The trillions of dollars are being spent. So what do you think is, it does, what does this mean to residents now? Not just you, but like the people that you're talking to. I, I think for African-Americans who are older, like my parents, that generation, I mean, my parents were born when uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, Roosevelt was president. Okay, so for people who remember what was here in Detroit, it's, it's, it's going to be huge. Now, it's not going to be the same. Uh, uh, WXYZ Channel 7 today has a story dealing with this. Uh, one of my friends, fellow historian Ken Coleman, is interviewed in the story. And he says it's not going to be the, uh, the cultural like uh, mecca like it was, but it's going to be a, uh, a boulevard is going to help the community. For younger people who don't really have any knowledge of that, this is something that has to be explained to them mm -hmm. and understand how policies impact every aspect of your life, okay? But for people like in their 60s, 70s, 80s who remember what was there, I think this is going to be something really important. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
Uh, Dr. Carr, you are obviously uh, a beacon of knowledge for connecting those dots for your students. How can you help bridge that gap? How can we help communicate? Um, there was a, a panel, and I don't like MSNBC, I don't pay attention to them, but a panel of younger voters who are just completely disengaged and have no concept of what kind of um, you know, impact their elected officials has. And this is a very tangible example. So, so what would you, mm -hmm. you know, how do you help bridge that gap? How, what do you suggest like the Democrats do to help really hammer that message home? Well, I, I think the first thing we have to do is step back and ask ourselves, why now? Now, we know that this money, is, as Mike says, as I say, Mike, wouldn't be here if it were the white nationalists in power. But as Ida Wells said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. This is this is not a victory. Mm. This is a step toward a potential victory. What do I mean by that? Um, you read a book like Sam Yet, a journalist from a generation ago. Sam Yet wrote a book back in the early 70s called The Choice, the Issue of Black Survival in America. And he was one of many who was documenting how these highways were placed. I'm from Nashville. They ran uh, 65 through the black community in Nashville. They wanted to run a highway through Washington, D.C., but they couldn't get the muscle through the local politicians. Uh, every city, whether it's a black community, major city, has had a highway run through it. So you ask yourself, why do you want to get rid of this highway now? Well, it's quite simple. Three words. They're coming back. So, you know, bike lanes and boulevards, this is not for the black people. <laughs> so, uh, please understand. Please, y'all, please understand. And Mike, you know this better than anybody. They have bought up downtown Detroit. You, yeah. you could buy a dollar in Detroit 20 years ago. Now the thing is white hot market. What's that boy that ran uh, LeBron James out of Cleveland, uh, Dan Gilbert, mm -hmm. whatever? I mean, mm -hmm. these guys done bought up everything. So let's take the highway out. And this is a, this is not reparate. This is not repair. You're preparing it mm. for the pilgrims. Uh -oh. the his this is the history of gentrification. So what I would tell young people is, now that they've gotten the highway out of the way, fight like hell. Why? Because now the property values goes up. So Mike, your parents and all the old people, they ain't going to be able to stay there for the property taxes. Here come the pilgrims, the single parents, the bike riders, the baby strollers. And it looks like, well, you know, black people should have gotten their act together. This mm. is not a victory, y'all. This is just one more step. And finally, I'll end with this, since the Queen of England is dead. I'm reminded <laughs> of something that, and I'm reminded of something that Eric Williams said, the first prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago. He said, the British are always talking about they abolished slavery. He said, sometimes I right. think they started slavery so they could run around the world and give themselves credit for abolishing it. You don't get no credit mm -hmm. for taking the highway out, Pete. Now that you take the highway out, you'll get credit if black people can buy homes, run businesses in that neighborhood. Are you preparing it for the people who look like you who going to come in with their babies and say, hey, we're Detroiters, while poor black people are pushed even farther out in the suburbs? Well, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> but I should have seen that one coming. But, you know, we have Secretary uh, Marsha Fudge as HUD, so maybe... You know, you put P, put uh, Secretary Fudge together. I still but, see him. You know, <laughs> it's still homes, Detroit Land Bank. You, yeah. you know, you don't have to get homes with a mortgage. Yeah. You can go to Detroit Land Bank to get homes, things like that. And, and there are land banks like that in different cities. So, you know, I know Bank of America is going to do 0% sure. down, all that. I mean, if you want a 15-year, 30-year mortgage, you know, you could do that. But there's other ways to get homes that, that are cheaper. No, I agree. That's what I would tell young people. 
fight like hell. That's what I meant. Right. This is not a victory unless you make it a victory. That's really what I was saying. And that's what it's going to take. No, I appreciate mm -hmm. that. I mean, don't burn me at the stake, but I watch um, Bargain Block, uh, which is a <laughs> technically, it's kind of a gentrification show in Detroit. And they're buying up homes for $1,000, $10,000. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, get in that, get in that housing market. Um, Dr. Nichols, I saw you nodding along this time with Dr. Carr. So what's your take on this, on this story? Yeah. See, I'm right back to agreeing with, with Dr. Carr. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep disagreeing with him. You gotta, right. he always brings you back. I, I was, and it's funny, I was gonna use the, the, um, the analogy of, of sticking a knife six inches in my back and then you pull it out three and then say, hey, that's progress. Um, so I, I actually 100% agree with them. I got to say, I also agree with the idea that you have to make people aware of their options in order to fight. People say fight like hell, but don't give you a roadmap on how to fight. Mm -hmm. I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what a land bank is. I, I was intrigued by that. I'm like, what is a land bank? You know, I, I'm thinking you have to go to Wells Fargo or one of these other banks that, that discriminates and, you know, and ends up paying out, you know, pocket change to them, but $10 million because they discriminate against black people. So I, I would like to know some of these, these options uh, for black people to keep their homes, to keep elderly black people in their homes, to give young black people who are now renting an opportunity to own it in the communities that they come from and that they're raised in. I think that's really important. I will say there's another element of this that uh, we haven't discussed, and that is when you talk about what happened with the building of a lot of these uh, highways and freeways, not only did they displace black people, but the black communities that remained were uh, suffering from noise pollution, air pollution, and other things that actually harmed them and shortened their lifespan. Yeah. So I think that, and, and made it a, an undesirable place to live. And, you know, I think about you know, the things that have happened in Miami and the way that, you know, you have Overtown and, and the highways that surround it and make, you know, those black communities are sometimes more vulnerable to flooding and other things that, that happen in that part of the country. Yeah. So yeah. I think that, again, if they're going to start rebuilding these communities, they have to give black people the options uh, or, or the uh, resources to stay in those communities and to have to plant their flag, which is ownership. And I, I'm all about home ownership. You know what I mean? That That is the biggest asset most of us will ever have an opportunity to own in our lives. You know, I, I want to own a jet, but it hasn't happened yet. So my home is, is what I own. And I want every uh, black person, hardworking black person, to have an opportunity to, to own a home, particularly in the communities where we've been for a long time. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I mean, I appreciate what Michael said about the land bank, but I also appreciate what you said about the programs that are out there. You know, um, I think it was last week I did a video kind of debunking this whole conspiracy that Bank of America was trying to trick black homeowners into mortgages, which, by the way, a zero down mortgage and zero closing cost mortgage, that's pretty good, especially if they're not, you know, jacking up the interest rate beyond the, the standard market rate. But sometimes we have a little bit of suspicion towards programs that are actually meant to help us. So we do have some bridging of the gap to do to, you know, try to help black folks 
understand what's out there and take advantage of it before somebody else does. Because we know that there aren't programs where you can explicitly say only black people benefit from this, only black people are eligible for this. So if we don't get it, somebody else is gonna get it. Um, Michael, I'll give, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I was just gonna say, be careful with that zero down stuff, because a lot of times that's balloon rate and, and it's gonna hurt you in the long run. So I'm not saying that that's the case with Bank of America and the program that they've created, but we know in 2008, you know, that was part of, part of the issue was, hey, zero money down, people bought more house than maybe they could afford, and then those rates all of a sudden exploded. Uh, and a lot of black people, particularly around in, in uh, you know, Prince, Prince George's County, ended up getting foreclosed upon. Yeah. Um, so I'd say if you have the opportunity, put 20% down, you know, save, save your coins, put as much money as you can down uh, so that you can have a lower mortgage rate. Okay, now I'm gonna have to argue with you on that. Cause I say <laughs> absolutely do not put 20% down unless okay. you have to. Um, because it's a very competitive mortgage mar market. I mean, there are so many loan options. I'm on my third house now, I don't own three at one time but I have purchased three different homes uh, over the course of my lifetime, and I've never put down more than 5%. So, I mean, the devil is in the details, which is you have to evaluate the program. Adjustable rate mortgages probably aren't the way to go, um, especially, you know, you can always refinance later, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to get an adjustable rate mortgage, but this is not gonna turn into a finance class, but let me just say this. Talk to... That's don't, important. Huh? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I mean, I just have an MBA. I, I don't know. I, maybe I don't know. But, uh, you know. Uh... It's important. I'm glad y'all having this conversation because land banks are one thing. It's very important. But let's be very clear. Mm -hmm. It's about finance. This is about banks. This is about, okay, I qualify for this year, but will they give you the loan? We've seen this show before. Yeah. Black people are going to get right. run out of Detroit unless we organize and do something different. And to but be this is right. very important what you're saying. And, and to be fair... What you're saying, Dr. Nichols, is accurate. In, in, in some cases, if you have a lower down payment, you do have a higher interest rate. Uh, but in more recent years, it's not significantly higher. So you just have to do the math and determine, is it something that I can buy down? I can use points to buy down my interest rate, which is less than 20% down. So it's all about what works for you. Now, if you're the kind of person that you money, it just burns a hole in your pocket, and you know, like, if I don't put this money down, it's gonna be gone at the casino or gone at the mall. Go ahead and put 20% down. Go ahead and get a lower monthly payment. But if you're the kind of person that's gonna invest in like an index fund or something else, or you might wanna do renovations on your home, you don't wanna finance that, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, talk to your uh, realtor and or maybe we'll have this conversation on another day. But um, thank you, fellas, for your, for your comments on that. We're going to head to a break, and we'll be right back with more of Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are black beyond measure. I remember being with The View when they said, we want to extend your contract. And I knew God said, it's time to move. It's time to go. And everybody was saying, Sherry, you got a great job. You're making all of this money. And I said, no, it's time. And they said, you ain't going to be able to. You've been away from Hollywood. And I said, it's time to go. And when I didn't, right. that's when I realized I was about to go through this divorce. And I was gonna need, it was going to be expensive. It was going to be a lot. And I said, I'm going to stay. I said, I'm going to stay for a couple of years. So you make see, this money. See, go ahead. I'm going to make this money. And then I'll get out lower. So I'm do a compromise. I'm going to do what you say, but I'm going to do it on my thing. And he went, really? He went, really. And you know what? Well, really, they said that we were heavy in, in contract negotiations. And they came, my manager called, she said, they're not going to uh, renew your contract. And I went, hey, so wait, what? So, what? He, just yesterday, they was offering me more money. She said, they just decided not to renew your contract. And I remember sitting in front of the mirror at the view, and I went, what happened? And it was very clear. God said, I told you it was time to go.
invest in ourselves. We're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing. Creating. Making moves. The move is all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. has been missing from Valhalla, New York, since September 9th, 2022. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 4 inches tall, weighs 170 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Angel Paulino should call the New York Police Department at 646-610-5030. Okay, y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull an audible here because I was looking at the chat a little bit. And I just want to stay a little bit longer on the mortgage discussion and on the real estate discussion, if you fellas are willing to go there with me, because I did see some stuff in there that was that was not accurate. Okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm just I'm just going to answer a few. Also, okay. you're going to come back to me too, Reese. Okay, and Michael. Okay, Michael, he wants to chime in on that too. Okay, I got you. So, okay, let's talk about um, PMI. That's one of the things that people were saying. You have to put down 20% so that you don't have PMI. That is not necessarily the case. It depends on what kind of loan that you're having. A lot of homeowner loans now, especially ones through credit unions um, or first-time homebuyer programs like the one that Bank of America has, is I'm not vouching for their program, but I'm just saying you don't always have to pay PMI. That's, a, that's an old-school thing. Um, now, if you have a certain kind of loan, like, for instance, there's FHA loans, those loans tend to have PMI, and they are for the life of the loan. It doesn't even matter how much you pay down, you're going to have PMI. So it just depends on the kind of loan. So don't think that you're going to automatically have PMI. If you have PMI on your loan, keep shopping. That's what you need to do. Keep shopping for more loans. The good thing about mortgage shopping is that you can shop around. You only take one hit, regardless of whether you make uh, 50 applications or five applications, if you do it in a short period of time. So definitely shop around for your mortgage option. Um, but yeah, you don't want to pay PMI. And if you have, if you're absolutely desperate and you have to give PMI, then try to get one where you can, it goes away after you pay it down. And then again, going back to what I was saying about the interest rates. The interest rates do tend to be factored by a number of things. It's also factored by your credit score, by your debt-to-income ratio, by how much money you're putting down. So those are actual factors where you might have a higher interest rate. That's why I said you want to evaluate, do the cost-benefit analysis of whether, for instance, a down payment. When I was buying my, you know, well, one of my houses, let me say that, I looked at my debt-to-income ratio. If I can reduce my debt-to-income ratio by significantly on a monthly basis by paying off $4,000, that's more effective for me than putting an extra $4,000 down on a house. So there are a number of things that you kind of have to look at in terms of how to get the best interest rate, and it's not always strictly on a down payment. So if you have debt, look at 
What has higher interest rates? What has higher monthly payments? If you have high monthly payments, low balance that you can pay off rather than put on a down payment, that might give you more bang for your buck. So everybody has individual financial circumstances. I'm not trying to give you, like you look, I'm not looking at you specifically. I'm giving general information. So don't go buying a house, putting money down, saying what Reese said. All I'm saying is generally speaking, <laughs> these are factors that play into interest rates, that play into how much you want to put down. But if you take nothing else from this discussion, understand it's good to shop around for your mortgage loan. Don't just go with the first place that takes you. One time I went with the credit union, I went with a different credit union the second time, and then another time I went with the mortgage broker. But I did all of my diligence each time in finding which loan makes the most sense. So that's my quick little TED talk on that. Um, Michael, you said you wanted to have a, another comment. So, so very quickly, uh, I, I did a broadcast with my friend Dr. David Anderson, uh, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network, uh, dealing with uh, Bank of Bank of America. I encourage people number one to read the article from. Uh, NBC News, Bank of America announces zero down payment, zero closing cost mortgages for first time home buyers in black and Hispanic communities nationwide. So yeah, this is not specific to African-Americans. It's, it's focusing on African-American and Latino communities, number one, which is not a problem. But number right. one, I just want people to understand that. Number two, if, if you look at page three of the article, it talks about Bank of America's countrywide financial, a subprime lender it purchased in 2008 was fined $335 million in 2011 over claims that it charged black and Hispanic home buyers higher interest rates than white applicants. Secondly, and possibly more importantly, is the memo from the Department of Justice, August 21st, 2014, called Bank of America to pay $16.65 billion in historic Justice Department settlement for financial fraud leading up to and during the financial crisis. This right here, the, what they announced is related to this Department of Justice settlement that they that they paid in 2014. OK, and it was fraud and, and, and people losing their homes with subprime mortgages and things like this. So read this five page uh, a memo from the Department of Justice. And then you better understand this public relations campaign here. Now, if you can take, I'm not saying don't take advantage of this. If you if you want a 15 to 30 year mortgage, I'm not saying don't take advantage of it. Okay, but what I'm saying is, you Bank of America is not your friend. <laughs> well, none <laughs> of these banks are your friends. They're all out to make money. That's why you got to shop around. Just like you don't just go to the first <laughs> car dealership. We have options. That's the whole point. We have options. But I do understand there's justifiable concern because what we saw with the subprime lending and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that led to the last crisis. There are a lot of different factors that aren't necessarily at play uh, this time um, that probably would not repeat themselves. But I do understand the skepticism. And I think people should always scrutinize and always be critical of anything, especially when you're signing your name on a dotted line. Uh, but the last thing I will say about this, one good thing is this, this disclosure that's called the truth and lending disclosure. So what it does is whenever you apply for a mortgage loan or when you apply for any kind of loan, but particularly for mortgage loans, every single application you put in, you're going to get a truth and lending disclosure. So it's going to tell you it's the same format and it's going to tell you all of the information in terms of your monthly payments, all this other kind of stuff. And so you can use that as a way to just do your sanity check and make sure you're getting the best deal. So even if you don't necessarily trust a person, 
the numbers are what the numbers are, you know. And most of these banks end up selling off your loan anyway, and you have a completely different loan servicer. So you're probably not going to end up with the same bank for the entirety of your loan. So, uh, but that's really good information. And yes, we, we would, I would be remiss if we did not talk about Bank of America's history, but a lot of these banks have shady histories um, and prayers, mm -hmm. still shady. To they talk about that in the article from NBC News, Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They talk about that in the article from NBC News. Absolutely. Right. So do your homework, folks. Uh, anybody else have a comment? Dr. Carr, Dr. Nichols, do you want to chime in again or should we move on? No, this is why you support the Black Star Network. No, and you can just Google land banks in your city. You could Google land. You can Google Detroit Land Bank. So they have houses. I was on their website. Uh, auctions start out at $1,000 for houses. Uh, a lot of different cities. Uh, I know years ago when I was... Uh, uh, managing an African-American-owned company, and we were teaching the construction trades program. We bought, uh, we bought uh, some houses through the—it uh, um, was nuisance abatement, and these were drug seizures. So you have houses that are drug seizures. You have houses that are tax uh, uh, um, foreclosures, uh, and they're confiscated. So, you know, if you— and you can right. do you can get fixer uppers like that, yeah. So they're options. Right. What's your, yeah, you kind of said it. What, what's your experience with what is, um, what is required once you have that property in possession? You said fixer upper. Oh, um, it well, it depends. So what happens usually with the with those? Uh, there's a, they're on the website, and they will have uh, walkthroughs of the homes also. There, there's a date that you could do a walkthrough of the home to see to see what it looks like, okay? And you can bring like your your uh, person who does roofing and things like that it's to get an estimate. So they usually don't a lot. From my experience, maybe different cities are different. From my experience, they don't necessarily tell you like how much it needs in repairs, mm -hmm. but you can actually do a walkthrough and you can go through and see certain things yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one. And what you want to do uh, also, you want to make sure you you. Get a, a good title company to check and see like who really owns who really exactly. owns it as well. And then the other thing, uh, if there's a way that you can check and make sure that that house is not on the um, on the list to be demolished, mm. because that can happen also. Okay, right. uh, you want to check with the city to make sure it, the, the house is not on the list uh, to be demolished, because a lot of times with different cities, different departments don't communicate correctly. Um, and you know, so <laughs> check that out. I, I learned from experience. Check that out. Okay. <laughs> well, you learned it. So now you can pass that knowledge on to everybody else. I said the last thing, but this is really the last thing I want to say, you know, and again, I'm not vouching for Bank of America. I don't hear me missing me messages. Ah, Reese must be getting paid by Bank of America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, ain't nothing like that going on, child. I wish I was getting paid by all these people to talk positively about them. But the reality is, what's interesting to me is, you know, some of the um, the criteria for this this loan program in particular, it actually kind of does away with some of the more stringent credit requirements. Now we know that it's, you know, part of the subprime lending crisis was people who had bad credit or people who weren't credit worthy, quote unquote were given loans that they couldn't afford. But it's really interesting, and I just want to end on this point, that there are certain barriers to black people obtaining homes, like credit scores, like debt-to-income ratios, like, you know, a lot of these things, that a program like this program, not vouching for it, is trying to do away with. So one other thing I just want to say is keep an open mind mm -hmm. about 
We talk about wanting to close the racial home ownership gap. We talk about wanting to close the wealth gap. But then when programs come along, then we look down, not we, us, but, you know, people look down on the criteria for that. When the criteria is designed to help get around the things that are stopping us from obtaining homes and, 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 and building wealth as a family. So that's, I couldn't let that go by without saying that, so. All right, let's move on, though. We have another story to get to. This one is about an Iowa judge who says a girl who was 15 when she was, when she killed a man, she said raped her multiple times, must pay his family restitution. Piper Lewis pleaded guilty in June 2021 to the killing of Zachary Brooks Lewis. Said the 37-year-old raped her multiple times in 2020. Lewis received a deferred judgment from Polk County District Judge David Porter after pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter and willful injury. Lewis will be on probation for five years. She must serve 200 hours of community service and pay $150,000 in restitution, plus more than $4,000 in civil penalties. Iowa law requires the court to sentence offenders to pay at least $150,000 in restitution if they kill another person. Lewis's former teacher set up a GoFundMe page and has raised $330,000. Her, more attorneys, find out if Iowa law would allow the donated money to pay the restitution. Okay, I, I just... Oh, wait, let me see. Is this the same story? Okay, I just want to go back to the panel real quick on this. Um, paying the family for their rapist, degenerate, being killed, uh, that's, just, that's just crazy to me. I mean, if they have any decency they'll turn around and donate that money or give that money right back. Because I would be absolutely ashamed of my family member for doing such a thing. Uh, Dr. Carr, what's your reaction to this story? I mean, class, we haven't... We've been talking about class all along, but we, you know, haven't said the word class. I think this whole conversation about housing and about ownership is about class. If, you, if you're not even in the position to be able to afford a home or anything, you know, and obviously we're not talking about that. I think it's a similar class dynamic here. That family, it, I'm not going to make any assumptions, I don't know, but, you know, the harrowing details of what this young lady went through seems to me is speaking to those who are at the bottom of this political economy. Mm. Sex trade, sex slavery, basically. She did everything she could. And this judge, I mean, I think I probably, and it'd be interesting to hear what you think, that Nichols and, and Brother Mike, and reading this story, I thought to myself, Okay, this judge is out to get her. But then it's very clear that his hands were tied by this law, which ostensibly appears to have been passed to protect the most vulnerable mm. in these situations. Now, this is an extreme circumstance. So the community service, the fact that uh, there's a possibility of maybe getting out from under this $150,000 has been $330,000 raised crowdsourced. Now, the question is, does the law allow folks who paid this money to this young lady to be able to use that money to pay this off and then maybe go to school? All those things, the devil's going to be in the details. But I don't know that this isn't an example of good intention going wrong in a circumstance where it's very clear what happened. And the judge may have kind of pulled back from doing uh, what could have been done by the law, but had his hands tied on the other end of the spectrum. I'm just not clear at all about that. 
Right. No, I mean, that's a good point. And, and maybe I shouldn't be hard on the family because they're not asking for it. It's required by the law. But it, the law. It, it's really just despicable, though, the way that this young lady was a girl, really. I mean, 15 years old, no to me, is still a girl, um, no had to endure this. And, and on a right. side note, it's interesting, um, Vice President Kamala Harris, when she was in um, San Francisco, one of the things that she really pushed for is for decriminalizing young girls who were being sex trafficked, you know, because they were being arrested for prostitution. And it's like, how can you be a prostitute and you're a minor and you're being trafficked? And so that's one of the things that she really pushed for um, prior to becoming DA. She pushed for it again as DA. She put all these initiatives in place to really try to combat Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender this kind of, you know, mistreatment and just travesties that are happening. Dr. Nichols, what's your take on the story? So what, what it really brings me to is uh, the idea that mandatory sentencing or mandatory minimums or mandatory anything that don't allow for, uh, for discretion are very problematic. So okay. the impression I got was, from reading the story, was that the judge... And uh, this uh, young lady's 
uh, attorneys were were actually happy with the judgment. Mm. Um, that they were they were okay with it, but as uh, Dr. Carr stated, this judge's hands were tied on you know the monetary element of this, and I think there should be some sort of discretion for a judge whether to apply it or not. Right. And in this particular case, you know, when you start making things mandatory and you don't take into account that every situation is different, you know, uh, I think it's you know, it, it produces these kinds of problematic results. And, you know, not, not to get super partisan with it, but, you know, if Donald Trump is able to use people's money in order to pay his legal bills and all of that, I don't understand why she can't use, you know, what people donated to her to pay this fine off. You know, it seems like it's reasonable to me. But in, in the end, the real change that needs to happen beyond just this case, is that you can't have these kinds of mandatory things that take away discretion and looking at these cases on a human, individual basis. And that's what's, uh, you know, the, the big problem that's coming out of this judgment. No, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, somehow, we always be the, we're always the ones that get screwed the most when it comes to mandatory minimums. And, you know, Cal Rittenhouse, he raised a million dollars after he killed two people. So I say, you know, good on her for getting 330000 Hopefully she can do something with it. If she can't use the money, then right. it's not going to get paid. I mean, what do you want the girl to do? She don't have money. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know. Maybe it might work in her favor if she can't use this money to pay it back, because then she gets to keep all of it. And, you mm. know, maybe she gets a job making a couple bucks and you know, pays 10% or I don't know. I'm not trying to speculate on what the arrangement will be. But, uh, Michael, you get the last word on this one. Yeah, you know, this is one of those cases where um, you have mandatory laws and it's not like one size fits all. Uh, we do see here that the, uh, the Iowa law requires the court to sentence offenders to pay at least $150,000 in restitution if they kill another person. So uh, the judge uh, uh, made the restitution the, the bare minimum, which is $150,000 also, plus more than $4,000 in civil penalties. Um, at least she uh, wasn't um, sent to prison, okay? Right. At, least she was, at least she wasn't sent to prison. So, uh, but, you know, uh, with crowdfunding, um, different crowdfunding platforms have their own policies of if you can, like, raise money, like if you have pled guilty to a crime or, or convicted of a crime or something like that. So it, we, we'll have to look at the uh, what the GoFundMe um, guidelines are um, on this. Hopefully she can keep the money, uh, but we'll have to see on this one. Yeah. Well, I think the if there's one bright spot, it's that she does not have to do actual jail time for being right. a victim and fighting back because... Hey, like, what did he say in Time to Kill? Yes, he deserved to die, and I hope he burns in hell. I know that's going to be controversial. Y'all can drag me. I don't care. No, 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 right. no. Like, like you said, I Reese, I mean... the mental health care that she probably needs after yeah. being a victim of sex trafficking. Right. So if there's one if, thing... Yeah, mental probably, care, yeah. The, the, the 200 hours of community service, okay, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that, but I think it should be 200 hours of therapy mm -hmm. uh, for her uh, as a victim. 
so that she can continue with her life and, and be a productive member of society and maybe even help other girls who go through these things. Absolutely. I know we're going a little long here, but, Doc, just to follow up on that, the judge did say he was trying to put her in a position to share her story, and he encouraged her to do that. And, again, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that, Reese, about, you know, those efforts that, uh, that Kamala Harris engaged in uh, in California. This is far too common. We all know that. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. where most of our people are. So many D.C., Baltimore, Philly, as you say, Richmond, Virginia. You go to some of these places, and, you know, I was shocked. Even in, I lived in Philly for 17 years. You know, you go out, you in front of a high school, something. I mean, hell, R. Kelly just got sentenced again. Mm -hmm. Part of it is you trolling in front of the high schools. You think these young people just hanging out. What you don't see is these pimps are around the corner. They got these girls on the stroll in front of the school. I'm saying this is the right. tragedy we're facing. And so if she is able to use this platform, as you say, with all the counseling, all the support, tell your story, sis, because it's a lot of people out here. This is not an outlier. This right. is not an outlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this has to stop. And it, it, it reminded me of Centoria Brown. You right. know, I was a yeah, right. very simple case. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to pray for her, Piper. We're going to pray for you and uh, your recovery and your growth going forward. And I just hope that she's all right. I hope that she's all right, as much as she can be. Um, but we're going to move on ahead to the next story. California Governor Gavin Newsom launches a billboard campaign in several red states promoting access to abortion in California. Newsom tweeted this earlier today. Just launched billboards in seven of the most restrictive anti-abortion states that explain how women can access care, no matter where they live, to any woman seeking an abortion in these anti-freedom states. California will defend your right to make decisions about your own health. Here's the billboard. Well, I just have to say, I know that a lot of people, anytime a white man does anything fabulous, they want to say, oh, run for president. I Don't run for president. Go ahead and do a good job as governor. Um, but I do want to see more of this fighting spirit trying to shake the table a little bit because, I, I, you know, we, I've been seeing polling coming out this week about Republicans closing in on Democrats in states that they had been, you know, Democrats have been polling pretty positively. You have Herschel Walker down in Georgia who wants to ban abortion with no exceptions. And by no exceptions, that means including the life of a mother. And he was asked about that and he clarified and he said, in my mind, there are no exceptions. And you have North Carolina. Sherry Beasley, Justice Sherry Beasley, is going up against Congressman Ted Budd. He's another one that wants abortion banned with no exceptions. And then you have Marco Rubio, who wants abortion banned with only the exception being for the life of the mother, but not for rape and incest victims. And so we have in governor's races and Senate races throughout the country, these Republicans are not fucking around when it comes to this abortion stuff. In Wisconsin, we have a situation, or they have a situation, where in 1849, let me say this, the year 1849, an abortion bill or abortion law is going to be triggered to go into effect in Wisconsin if the, if the governor does not stop that. So Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, he's a Democrat, he's fighting this bill, but his opponent, who's polling very closely, Tim Michaels, wants to ban abortion. And so just wrap your head around the concept of 
1849, this was before the Emancipation Proclamation, bill determining what women can do with their bodies in a state in 2022. So I'm not going on a soapbox a little bit there, but but Dr. Carr, your reaction Mm -hmm. to just, you know, what's at stake here? And, And do you think that what Newsom is doing is something that we should be seeing more of? What, what do you think? Well, Reese, we, uh, I think we all know Gavin Newsom is running for president. The only question is when. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, and I would say the only thing in Herschel Walker's mind is mud and old newspapers, <laughs> uh, which speaks to the larger point. They're not fucking around. Mm-hmm. These white mm-hmm. nationalists are, they're going to break the United States. And I, and I, I know people get tired of hearing me say that, but all you got to do is study a little American history. Dude, this was never a nation. And the and federalism has always been used by the interests that have a stake in keeping it a loose federation mm-hmm. and advancing mm-hmm. their interests. Gavin Newsom is playing the smartest strategy that uh, that could be played. He, he, there's nobody like him. He's in that huge state with that huge economy, and he is taking on the pufferfish in Florida and that shovel mouth bastard in in Texas, and he is making a point of it. Mm-hmm. And you know when little Lynn Graham trots out his little. Uh, a, a national ban, 15-week ban. We talked about this on this show. Mm-hmm. We knew that once Roe was overturned, the next step was going to be to introduce federal legislation. Graham is trying to salvage what he thinks he's trying to salvage the midterms. But now, finally, what he is doing is basically trying to rally the base because what we none of us have are privy to, polls notwithstanding, are the conversations that are being had behind closed doors about how nervous the white nationalist party is, how worried the Democrats are, and Newsom is upping the ante. This is not going to be uh, uh, an election. It's not going to be politics. It's going to be won by trying to find some reasonable middle ground. Sorry, Joe. is no such thing. This is a goddamned war. Mm. And Gavin Newsom is acting like it. So I'm saying keep going. In fact, you saw that letter he put out today where he wants Merrick Garland to put a RICO charge on on, 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 on Florida, on, on DeSantis, because he said, you lied to those people. That was that kidnapping thing we were talking about yes. earlier. Yeah. Right. Go for it. Go for it. Tear this shit up. <laughs> Period. That's the energy that we need. I mean, like, yes. it's blowing my mind that, I mean... Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe this is naive of me. I know we're all tired. We've been in a pandemic for years. We have a lot of shit going on. But, I mean, to me, what what Abbott did, and and t- and I have to admit, I haven't even been as checked. And I I've, I've know about Abbott. He's been busing migrants for weeks, you know, or even months in yes. some cases. But to to see people dumped in Martha's Vineyard on a plane, and then to see Abbott, he shipped you know migrants to. Um, the VP's residence. BC. Yeah, yep. and it's just like... Washington, D.C. Yeah. That's racist. It's sexist. Oh, yeah. He's like, UB. And so get, somebody got punched these guys in the mouth. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. <laughs> but, but then again, I mean, I remember when, when Trump's child separation policy happens. And be clear, the United States... Democrat or Republican has a bad immigration policy. I'm not trying to cape for the Biden-Harris administration on their immigration policy at all. Well, they, ca- they caused the problems. In other words, these people are here because they're messing with the governments in Latin America and Central America. Right. That's the end of it. These are right. Venezuelans. Right. Understand that you caused the problem. Right. That's why they're here. Not because they came looking for America. They came because you messed up their government and their economy. Right. U.S. So, policies going back the last 50 years to 100 years. Right. In these right. Uh, Central American comp- uh, countries, things like this, Guatemala... When the CIA overthrew the Guatemalan government in 1954, democratically elected Guatemalan government, 
Yep. Where you go? He's and 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 and. And, and, and go back to what I was saying in the previous segment, a lot of these countries, they were conquered by Spain. Mm-hmm. They were conquered under Christopher Columbus. And then Guyana, that was a, a British colony. Okay? Which, <laughs> that, was one of the, that was one of the countries, you know, hundred, you know, actually about 1952, a little more than 25% of the world population was under British rule. So these are victims of colonization. Mm-hmm. These are victims of white supremacy. So uh, um, Abbott, and DeSantis, they are continuing this 500 years of white supremacy. They're continuing this. They're in that tradition. Yeah. We have to take them out of power. That's oh. why voting is so important. Absolutely. It, but just the, the... When Trump did it, and that's where I was going, when Trump did it with mm-hmm. the child separation, people were out in the streets. People were protesting. This was, like, outrage. And I mean, we're just true. not seeing it this time. And And I think this is... Just as why, appalling. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is, Reese? Why aren't we seeing that kind of out? Is it because the guy in the White House is not Trump? Is that? Well, I mean, why do you? Why? Why aren't we seeing that? I, well, I think part of it is because it's being covered as a political stunt. It's being covered uh-huh. as look at this clever thing that Republican governors are doing to stick it to the Biden-Harris administration, as opposed, in particularly, stick it to VP because they want to put this off on her, but. These are human beings, and so when you look at that and you look at Abbott, who is leaving no stone unturned, I mean, when he's not shipping off immigrants to D.C. or to Chicago, Texas has now banned abortion. They had a trigger law. A lot of, a lot of attention was paid to SB8, which led to the Supreme Court case, but at the same time, right around the same time, he signed the Human Life Protection Act which outlawed abortion in cases of rape and incest to, I think, was it you, Michael, who said how, how or was it Dr. Nichols that said, how you, how's it come along with eliminating rape? That was what he was talking about. That was me, yeah. Okay. G- yeah. Gabbett said he was going to eliminate rape when they passed the law, uh, uh, the uh, anti-abortion bill. He said they need to focus on eliminating rape. I right. haven't heard anything else about that. Right. Well, abortion is now outlawed in Texas. Texas. Mm-hmm. Including in cases of rape and incest. The only case that you can get an abortion is if you have a medical emergency. We're not talking about a six-week ban. We're not talking about a 12-week ban. We're talking about outlawed, period. So what Gavin Newsom is doing, and, and Dr. Nichols, I'll give you the last comment on this, I, I, I need people to understand this is the opening salvo for what we're going to see from Republicans if they are allowed to just kind of slip away and slip under the radar with destroying a constitutional right that women have enjoyed, I want to say enjoy, but women have had the the right to for 50 years. So, Dr. Nichols, what, what's your... You get to close us out on this. Man, I, I got I got a lot uh, <laughs> that I want to get off my chest here. It's funny, um, you know, DeSantis sent those uh, Venezuelans to... Uh, to Massachusetts, something tells me he wouldn't do that with Cubans. Um, mm. I think he would avoid <laughs> putting Cubans on those planes. Um, they would they would get all the dry foot, uh, you know, advantages that you know, and they'd be political refugees. But again, and this shows you the the kind of hypocrisy here. If you're saying Cuba is some sort of communist dictatorship, then you all of a sudden don't have the same empathy for Venezuela, which again. You know, I, I I don't want to get in on, on socialism and all of that, but, you know, you notice even from their narrative, it doesn't make sense. 
And he wouldn't do it because it would be political suicide. Right. You know, to put little Elian Gonzalez on, on a plane to Martha's Vineyard. It wouldn't happen. They'd find a home for him in Miami or in somewhere in the state of Florida. Now, as far as Gavin Newsom, I agree with everybody. He clearly has larger political ambition. We'll see when that actually uh, takes place. Uh, I think he started puffing his chest out a little bit after surviving that recall, which was a joke anyway, but uh, he started doing that. And, you know, he has those political ambitions, but what he's doing is showing chutzpah, and I think it is really important. And lastly, as far as... Uh, as Herschel Walker is concerned, he believes in children being born, and then he can abandon them later <laughs> and uh, allow for them, you know, to fend for themselves later. You know, he, he wants them to be born, uh, but he'll look the other way when they actually come up and say, hey, dad. Um, so I, I think that there, there are a ton of issues here. I think we definitely, the people need to be more vigilant um, and, you know, again, Gavin Newsom can stick his chest out when you have a $100 million surplus in your state and you're doing pretty well. So, right. uh, you know, I think he, I, I like what he's doing. I think he should keep doing it. And, you know, the reparations thing kind of got me even more on his side. Right. So I, I think he's, uh, he's making some good decisions. Hey, you got to give the man credit. He has political talent, but he also has political luck, too, and good fortune. Being in California. Right. So, you know, it's it's hey, a combination of both. But you it, have to use power when you have it. You have to use it when you have it. Hey, Reese, right. just, just just very quickly, 10 seconds. Everybody needs to pay attention to what California, the reparations task force, is doing. Mm -hmm. And that 500-page study that they put out because it deals with the history across the country. They driving it in a huh? ditch with that lineage-based thing, man. We got to talk about that. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. And they're trying to skirt around the law. They're trying to get around the law. I understand that. But I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the history that they lay out of sure. racism against Af That's what I'm talking about, against African-Americans and, and all throughout history. That's what that study documents, okay? Mm. So when we deal with reparations, we're dealing with repairing the damage, not just 246 years of slavery, but what happened after slavery ended. And these laws and policies that are still being put in place today that are still hurting us, you got to that, that's the rep, that's the generation of reparations that has to take place. But uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you because Camila Moore was on the show and explained, you know, explained the whole thing with that. So I totally and, un, and, I, I, and I understand it's, that. It's indefensible. But yeah, but yeah, I heard you say yeah. on the, on history, no question, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe put it in a meme, people will. Take it and run with it, as opposed to 500 <laughs> video. Because ain't nobody Get reading Cardi 500 Get Cardi B to do a TikTok video. Yeah. Get Cardi B and make it stay and do a TikTok uh, video. To, to your point, Reese, that's why that billboard you showed is so effective. Gavin Newsom know what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. we, need yeah. More, we need more of that energy because the stakes are just really too high. And I don't know. Maybe Republicans are smart. They say, okay, we go after women. Nobody gives a damn because I'm not going to get an abortion. I can't have kids. I ain't taking care of my kids even if I do have them. Not talking about anybody specifically. I'm just saying. But the reality... <laughs> Dr. Nichols is like, I said what I said. Um, but but just the, the... We just... What we're seeing is deconstructing citizenship. What we've been seeing. They've already no done question. it with our right to vote. They've already done it with diluting the votes that we do have. 
They're doing it with women and our ability to choose. Contraception is next. Right. The LGBTQ community yep. is next. Education mm -hmm. is already on the chopping block because these Republicans, while they're sitting up there and they're doing CRT and parents and parental rights, what they're doing is defunding the public education system. So that's going to, even if some people, a lot of black people like school vouchers, I ain't judging, but ultimately I just don't trust any Republican plan because anytime they got a plan to do something, it's something, it's something behind that that's a little sketchy. So whatever yeah. that we can do to effectively message what's happening, then I think we need to, we need to do that. But we're going to head to a break. Roland Martin Unfiltered will be right back right here on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Can you believe the nerve of these Republicans? They only want to block progress for our community. They talk about cutting Medicare and Social Security. They played politics with veterans' health care. They voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and funding for our HBCUs and against lowering prescription drug costs for our seniors. These Republicans keep trying hard to stand in the way, but President Biden, Vice President Harris, and Democrats won't let them. They are delivering for us. The Democratic National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Disney released the first teaser for its upcoming live-action take on The Little Mermaid. Take a look. girls were excited about Haley Bailey as the Little Mermaid. Watch my daughter's reactions to the Little Mermaid trailer.
positive news, there is the negative. Here are some of the folks that are upset that Disney cast a black woman to play a mermaid. We have Kaiser, who says, The Little Mermaid is a traditional Danish tale. 100% European culture. Stop stealing others, like Pinocchio Italian, Lord of the Rings British. Even Game of Thrones is based on European. In fact, 1980, 98% of Disney classics are stolen European stories. <laughs> This is so stupid. Uh, anyway, so Matt Walsh says it isn't scientific to have a black mermaid. All right, Max Winter says a black actor playing the Little Mermaid really is a case of white erasure. All forms of art, including fairy tales, are meant to be reflections of the author's experiences and observations. Hans Christian Andersen probably based the Little Mermaid based on experiences he went through in his home country of Denmark. So it makes sense that most of his characters would be white since that's the world and the people he was surrounded by. Yeah, I'm given the way that we deal with these sorts of issues, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. Now, I would be fine, like we talked about yesterday, we don't have to rehash the entire thing, but if we all agreed that race in, in films and TV shows, especially fictional stories, don't matter, and we're going to take a kind of colorblind casting approach, and, uh, you know, it just it, it, it doesn't matter as long as the actor is good. If we could all agree on that, then I'd be on board. And as I said, that's basically what it was for many years, what it was back in the 90s. But what I cannot abide by is the double standard thing where we say, well, race, the race, the casting, uh, the race of, in casting matters only for certain races and not for others. That, that, no, no, we're not doing that. Also, by the way, with The Little Mermaid, can, can we also just mention that just from, from, a, from a scientific perspective, okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have someone with darker skin who lives deep in the ocean. I mean, if anything, I mean, not only should The Little Mermaid be pale, she should actually be translucent. If you look at deep sea creatures, they're like translucent. They have no kind of pigmentation whatsoever. And they're just like these horrifying, they look like skeletons floating around in the ocean. That's what the Little Mermaid should look like. She should be totally pale where, and skeletal, where you can see her skull through her face. And that would actually be a version of Little Mermaid that I would watch. That's, that's, that's embarrassing. I bet it is, freak. I bet it is, freak. I mean, look. Girl in the bottom of the ocean. I bet he would watch that. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're being scientific, didn't y'all come out the Caucasus Mountain? Or no, y'all ain't from the ocean too, last I checked. Okay. Look, but the Danes were trying to figure out, still trying to figure out how to cook food when <laughs> uh, Yemi Ya and Oshun were coming out the ocean and, and the river. So let's be clear. You don't know, and, and I like what Mike Harriet said. He said mermaids are by definition biracial. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but let's be clear. We ain't got no dog in this fight. Y'all remember Blazing Saddles when Cleveland Little showed up in town and it was like, the sheriff is near, the sheriff is near. Then he got close and they saw he was black. The sheriff is a... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when she came up out there water, I'm like, y'all should just make this a satire. Because <laughs> I ain't got to... Disney is trying to make all the money in the world. They got a Muslim Miss Marvel mm -hmm. from the comic books from Pakistan. They got they're gonna make Namor the Submariner Latinx. When everybody mm -hmm. who reads Latinx. the comics knows he is white as the sheet. Shang Chi mm -hmm. is Chinese. His, his Shuri may be the Black Panther, may not be the Black Panther. And they're gonna put this Israeli girl in the new Captain America and is setting off bells over there with the Palestinians. Disney trying to make that cash. The reason that girl is black. Is because they see the demographic and the most and the most important 
words to be heard is when these children said, I can't wait to go. Oh, yeah. That's, right. I mean, yeah. that's all Disney care about. So, you know, woo, well, the mermaid I mean, is here. <laughs> I, I get the anti-capitalism aspect of it, but as a mother of an 18-month-old, almost 18-month-old, I have to tell you, when there's this little show on Disney called Eureka, and it's a little, uh -huh. it's a brown girl in prehistoric times, and she has purple kind of, you know, hair, it's, and it's really funky, and Ava just goes apeshit every time it comes on. I mean, she's like really? looking at me, and she's like, and she starts dancing and swinging around, and I mean, it brings yeah. so much joy to her to- It doesn't scare you, Reese? Does it scare I used to have my godson in the back seat, and every time Barney come on, he go into a trance. I don't let no <laughs> kids watch anything that these corporate people program. Because it's like, wait a minute, how the hell did you're a child? There's, I don't trust that. Well, listen, uh, there's probably as much crack in Disney stuff as Beyonce has in her Renaissance oh. album, so we're all in the no. same boat of being transfixed no with things. No question. No question. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, for me, I just... Part of, part of the fun of it is starting to be how just completely unhinged these people are about it. Like, I didn't have interest in the Game of Thrones prequel, even though I watched Game of Thrones. But now I'm like, well, let me check it out, because this black guy is pissing them off, or, or the Lord of the Rings thing they have going on. They're mad about the black people. Like, these are not real characters. Y'all already don't see black people as human anyway, so it should be less of a stretch to see black people play well, a half mermaid, half whatever. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, you know, with the Lord of the Rings and these other fictitious um, science fiction things like this, first of all, they act like they never heard of the African Moors that all went all throughout Europe intermix into the uh, European population and changed the complexion of many Europeans, uh, number one. <laughs> number two, um, I remember back in 2015 on the uh, History Channel, they had a series called Barbarians Rising. And it dealt with like 700 years of invasions of the Roman Empire. And the first episode dealt with Hannibal Barca, uh, Hannibal of Carthage and the Carthaginians and the Punic Wars. And they portrayed Hannibal as an African, which he was. They, these the Carthaginians, the descendants of the Phoenicians. And some white people lost their minds. And he, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a brother like you had to look there and look at him for five minutes and listen to the tonality of his voice to determine if he was African descent. No, no, Nicholas Pinnock, you can look at that brother. That's a brother right there mm -hmm. with a thick black beard, okay? So they, 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 they were correct. A lot of white people lost their minds. You know, th this ties into white fear. This ties into Roland's book. Yeah. They're seeing these demographic changes here in the country, and not all white people, but these, these people that voted for Trump, they see these demographic changes in, in the country, and they can't handle it. And then they, they go to their escape. They go to their escape, which is science fiction. Mm -hmm. They go to their escape, which is a Disney movie. And then Negroes in the Disney movie. <laughs> they, they're going to have an Andy Griffith marathon because there's no black people in Mayberry. <laughs> they, they, they keep trying to go to their escapes, right? And we keep popping up. So... Uh, and then you look at uh, the YouTube, the, uh, the, the trailer on YouTube has 1.5 million dislikes, things like mm. this. So a lot of these people have um, have just totally lost their minds. You know, yeah. they just totally lost their minds. So look at, uh, I'm sorry, that, look, huh? look at it, though. They're going to make their money up in the Spanish market. Disney is global. This movie, these right. little in the United States ain't going to stop this train. They're going to make that money up in Latin America. Oh, yeah, they're going to make it. African Americans <laughs> go see it. And I understand. My daughter's five years old. You know, and I, I watch I watched the whole thing um 
uh, of the little girl's reaction to it. I'm glad I saw it before here because it brought tears to my eyes. Here, my daughter's five years old, mm -hmm. right? My daughter loves Paw Patrol. She likes Sesame Street. She likes Doc McStuffins, things like this. So um, we need to flip. We need to flip flip this and like do lectures dealing with like the origins of the mermaids and where all this stuff comes from, things mm -hmm. like this as well. But this is, um, um, you know, just the reaction from many Europeans is just, it's, you know, you don't have anything better to do no. than, than this. No. The, the attack, Haley Bailey, you don't have anything better to do than this. You know, so. And I have to say, Haley Bailey, I met her at the VP's residence and she, for Juneteenth, and she's so just, she's like a mermaid in person. Like, she's just so uh, mm -hmm. lovely and sweet. And she has this just really divine voice and this great energy. So I love that for her. I love that for little black girls and, right. and everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I don't let my kid watch like the super white cartoons, like Coco Melon. I'm like, oh, everybody got green eyes, blue eyes, everybody's super white. I'm like, where are the black cartoons? So she watches, you know, Motown magic. She watch, I let her watch the animals. So she does word party, other kind of stuff. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy that there are a lot of shows for her to watch is, don't judge me, or you can't, I don't yeah. care. But I know a lot of people don't like the kids watching yeah, TV, but... God for Hollywood, because I mean, somebody got to tell our stories that we have. I mean, Disney is not for us. Disney, I'm right. trying to make money. No, so I mean, I understand. thank God for the African film market because at some point, when, when we get our act together, the American Negro are gonna be sitting somewhere with our five dollars in our hand talking about. Anyway, that's African market things like that. But but what 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 I think also it's important for us to do, and you may want to weigh in this, Greg, if we have time. The, they these white supremacists are largely attacking this African-American woman. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, no, the no question. Th that, that's what I'm saying. So I don't want that to be lost yeah. in, in this whole Disney movie, mm -hmm. okay? Because she talked about, uh, I was reading an article from uh, Screen Rant where she talked about uh, her grandmother, her grandparents encouraging her, I think it was her grandparents encouraging her in, in dealing with these white supremacists and these, these attacks on social media, things like that. So that's a layer that I don't want to be lost in the white capitalism, the corporations, and, and, you know, things like this. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Dr. Okay, Carr I mean, is like, hey, that's what you signed I, up for. I don't, I don't know what to At some point, we're going to have to make some decisions or some decisions are going to be made for right. us. So this diversity, equity, inclusion approach to liberation, of course, is a complete and utter dead end. So, yes, she should be defended. We have to deal with right, that. Right, that's what but I'm saying. That's what I'm but, saying. But, right. but, but let's, let's be very clear. Um, mm -hmm. As you said, Reese, if you have power, use it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we shouldn't be the ones defending her. Disney needs to have all the smoke for every white supremacist that they have uh, uh, contributed to their political campaign. Yeah. That they have emboldened. In other words, this is not our fight. This Disney fight. Because Disney get ready to pimp the black community for another $2 billion, like they did Black Panther. So if you, when these white boys come for her, it don't need to be us. Yeah, we should say, but it need to be Disney. And Disney's not going to do that. Why? Because Disney don't give a damn about her either. This is all, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so I don't know. I, I don't really don't have an answer other than you got to have your own stuff. We may make our own documentary, and we've done this. Right. We've done this. Right.
But that's I mean, true. going back to Oscar Michelle, going back in yeah, early 1900s. But yep. at the same time, <laughs> we had race movies when we had race movies. Well, we got go Gracie's ahead, go ahead. Corner on YouTube. We got our own Gracie's stuff. Corner. But guess what? Disney. When it comes to a kid and cartoons, Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm 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 Team Disney on that one. I know Carl, Dr. Carl, you can drag me, I, but I, I, I am I'm, Team Disney. <laughs> Doctor Nichols, I'm, you're shaking your head. Go ahead, go ahead. What you got? Yeah. Uh, let me get let me get a word in. You oh, know, um, <laughs> you know, I have I have a three year old myself, and I understand my my three year old loves Peppa Pig. So you know, <laughs> she's sitting around here walking around talking like a British person. Um, so. <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, I think it's important, and, and this was kind of stated, but I think it's important for us to make cartoons for our kids. Yeah, oh, yeah. You better believe mm -hmm. right. Matt Walsh, who you just showed, who I think was trying to be funny with that whole translucent thing, but he's not funny. No. Uh, but at any rate, Matt Walsh works for The Daily Wire. The mm -hmm. Daily Wire mm -hmm. White wants to get out of political content and get into cultural stuff. They want to make movies. They want to make cartoons because they realize that some black kid probably too is going to be looking and see a cartoon that engages them, but is secretly giving them political messages. Mm -hmm. It hurt my heart. One of the things that hurt my heart so much about, you know, I don't even like saying his name, but uh, a guy from Philadelphia, um, who, you know, he made Fat Albert. And that was so important for kids my age. That was so important for us to see Question. a bunch of black kids who lived in urban communities and how, how great that was. And then, mm -hmm. you know, conversely, I remember as a kid, when I was young, you saw He-Man. And it was, and this is what tripped me out. My boy pointed this out to me. He's, here you have this white, blonde-haired, muscular guy, and he's the master of the universe. I was like, <laughs> hide it from us. You know what I mean? And then, you know, of course, G.I. Joe was trying to get us all to join the military. So, again, they're sending, a, they're sending our children messages through this kind of stuff. And it's cool when you have a Doc McStuffins, and it's, you know, The Little Mermaid, I think, some of that story, just like Beauty and the Beast, I wouldn't let my daughter see it because I think it, you know, tells them it's okay, deal with somebody's abuse, you know. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't let them see it. I think it, I think it sends the wrong message to little girls um, that you just be patient with somebody while they abuse you. I, I think it's important for us to make the kinds of stories we want to see instead of advocating and saying, hey, big capitalist white company, please make, you know, please show me, please take the same recycled story that we've seen a hundred million times and do it over again, rather than when we've got so many great black children's authors who could, you know, their stories could be made into cartoons. And you can't even tell me that you need a big corporation. My kids used to watch this guy named Blippy. I don't know if you've yeah, ever seen him. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Absolutely. And, and he, he's a random dude who was <laughs> going nowhere with his life, and he just put on a colored hat and started playing with toys outside his apartment in the dirt and filmed it. And now he's worth tw he makes $20 million a year making children's <laughs> content. He doesn't even like kids. He said it in an interview. He's like, I don't even like kids. Wow. But 
He has been able to monetize this, and kids can't take their eyes off of him. And now he's got a, a cartoon, he's got his live action stuff, and I think we can do the same things. Um, just like the stuff Roland is doing, I'll give props to Roland for a second. You know, the stuff Roland's doing by trying to, uh, I read he was uh, promoting HBCU sports and, and all of that going into sports content. You know, I want him to right. hire me because I have the best sports commentary in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm always right. <laughs> yeah. But I was, you know, I think that there we need to expand into children's material because guess what? That's when they're trying to get our kids when they're young mm -hmm. and give them subtle messages, okay. you know, uh, about what they want from us. Yes, right. Turn mommy, turn mommy water loose. Let them Negroes right. from the Caribbean and West Africa. Ain't no mermaids in the African women been in the water since the beginning of water. And that's a whole different mm -hmm. story. But that whole weak woman, princess, uh, that's how you end up with Queen Elizabeth uh, is right. dead and the star of Africa in her scepter, the largest diamond in the world. In other words, that whole women mm -hmm. are weak. The whole cultural model is anti-human. It, it's not even good for white people. So, no, nah, you're right. I, I agree with you, Doc. I don't know about letting any children look at this this patriarchal stuff the little mermaid and, and just, and, just so <laughs> no. and just very quickly when when you when you look at the origin of a lot of these stories we tell our children Cinderella Snow White yeah. King Midas Rumpelstiltskin things like this they originate in England okay so right. they orientate our children to kings right. and queens and and you and Europeans being in and power Europeans being in and control and to murder. Humpty huh? Dumpty and, uh, and the, Humpty Dumpty is right. about a plot against the king. Rockabye Baby right. is about killing the next heir. In the treetop, mm -hmm. the baby, down will come cradle baby and all. In other words, these people talking about murder and it's all in their children's stories. And of course, Ooh, when well, young, yeah, uh, children's stories had a violent no, that's, nature that's, that's to not, them and they were toned down. And then they were toned, they were toned, they brought here, and then they were toned down and fed to the children, but we feed it to our children. You know, I needed another mom on this panel with me, because I'm outnumbered here. I'm the only one. <laughs> no, we're, I, we're not beating up on you. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, I got, I, I, listen, I, I'm, I guess I'm the unserious one, because I can't wait for this, and I love Hallie, but let me close it out with this tweet, which I thought was hilarious. It says, so after all the Africans y'all threw in the ocean, y'all surprised a mermaid is black? <laughs> Listen. Incredible. I saw on. that one. Come on. We got to keep the same energy, y'all. Y'all want us? What? What we doing? What we doing? But, fellas, it's been so much fun with you all. Thank you for sticking around a little bit longer and waiting for the show to start. I'm sorry. I'm a little late. No problem. But, uh, oh. Dr. Jason... Good to see you, Greg. Good to see you. Yeah, good Good to see you. Good to see you, too, man. And hey, good to see you, Doc. Oh, you know what, Reese? Yeah. You say, with a black woman in the chair, we can't, We have to remember right. those six children in February, to, I mean, September the 15th, 1963, who lost their lives. The four right. little girls at Birmingham right. in 16th Street yep. Baptist Church and the two black boys that were killed, one by a cop and another by a racist in the streets of Birmingham today. So, it, you know, with a black woman here, it's fitting you're in that chair on the day that those four little girls lost their lives. The, the anniversary was its 50, 59th, I think, in a year anniversary. Mm -hmm. Yes, so. thank you, Dr. Carr, for that reminder. I, I did retweet it earlier, but I'm glad you brought it up. So it's been a great show. Thank you, Dr. Nichols, Dr. Carr, Michael M. Hotep. I'm Reese Colbert signing off for the Roland for Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Go cop my books.
If you're out there, they on Amazon. I know we anti-capitalists, but my books are on Amazon, okay? <laughs> Good night, y'all. Holla. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.